This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. You can turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. Let me encourage everybody to get a Bible out, whether it's a hardback, leatherback, paperback, or on your device. Uh, because we're going to read a lot of scripture today from the first two chapters of Proverbs. We're beginning a new series today called Living Wisely, and mostly taken from the book of Proverbs, which is the Bible's book of wisdom. There's also a book of wisdom in the New Testament, and that's the book of James, and we'll be doing some references there as well. So find your Bible and uh, and your place there, um, and, and uh, if you're using the Bible in the chair, look for page 574, and you'll be there, I think. Uh, Proverbs, living wisely. Have you ever made decisions in life that later you looked back on them and said, what was I thinking? Anybody besides me? Yeah, you have. What in the world was I thinking? And the answer that I often give is, (laughs) I wasn't. You know, that's usually the answer I have when I did something really dumb. Um, Really, I was thinking, but I wasn't thinking very brightly. And sometimes the answer is that I was influenced by someone else to make the decision that I did, and I wish now I had never listened to him or to her or to them. I've been there, and I've done that. The purpose of the book of Proverbs is given to us in the first seven verses, and it's all throughout the book, and you're going to hear a lot about wisdom Uh, in the next today and the next three Sundays as we talk about wisdom today, kind of how we gain gain it in seeking for this treasure uh, of wisdom. We're going to talk about wisdom in our families, our relationships, and our finances. So a lot of wisdom we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. Verses 1 to 7, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Let me stop and say he didn't write the whole book. There are other Proverbs from other writers, other authors in here, but he wrote the majority of of this. Uh, For learning that what wisdom and discipline are. Here's my purpose for this book, he says. Learning what wisdom and discipline are for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving wise instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. A wise man will listen and increase his learning, and a discerning man will obtain guidance for understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord, he says, is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. Solomon writes and he says, I'm primarily writing this book for my kids, for my sons, for young Men is what he, where he's going. And we're going to see that a good bit as we read this morning. Primarily to young men, and its purpose is to share life-changing and life, literally life-saving wisdom. Why? Why is he writing this to young men, to his sons? Why is he writing this to, to the young guys? And the answer is, all the guys, listen up. Listen to me for a second. The answer is because young men can do stupid things, could we not? But sometimes the not-so-young as well. Not, not just the young guys. Um, having once been a young man, I can say that I have great expertise on doing dumb things. 
Uh, when we're young, guys, we're, we're wired. We're wired to be men. To be mature. To be fearless. To be able to figure things out without following the instructions independently. But my guess is that since God has this entire book in His Bible, and it's in the center of the Bible for a reason, this entire book about wisdom for us in the Bible, my guess is that God wanted to make some points for us and to try to steer us away from making the mistakes we can make. And His point in this book is, I think, to say, especially to the men, but not just the men, to the ladies as well, but to say to us, you know what? You, you say, I was wired to be this. I'm wired to be adventurous. I'm wired to take a dare. I'm wired to do to do what, go boldly where no man has gone before. You know, I'm, that's how I am as a guy. And God wants us to understand that our wiring is faulty due to our sin nature. And that's what the, that's what the pride that keeps us from asking for advice is. It's part of our fallen sinful nature that needs what God can provide. So again, for the next three weeks, we're going to look at these words of wisdom to live by. And, uh, and about in three areas that are very close to our lives, our friends, our finances, and our families. Uh, the opposite of wise is being foolish, the book of Proverbs tells us. Either you're wise or you're foolish. At least 60 times in the book I found the words fool, fools, or foolish. The Proverbs equates a foolish person as someone who has no understanding. Uh, we read it here in, in this, these verses just a moment ago. For teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced. In some instances, a foolish person is simply inexperienced. They're naive, aren't they? They just don't know. They've never been there, done that. In other instances, foolishness is a person who is rebellious or stubborn. It speaks of men who fall in this book, and we won't get to all of this, but speaks of men who fall into sexual immorality and adultery as fools. It says you might as well just set yourself on fire. That's to do that. Rarely is it someone who is just plain dumb. you know. But that's how that person looks to everybody else. I watched this guy and I thought, you're dumb <laughs> to get up there and do that like that. Uh, and rarely is it someone who is just plain dumb, but when we don't receive wisdom, we lack wisdom. That's how we appear. We just don't get it. And as a result, we do things in life that make no sense. Chapter 2, jump over there with me, verses 1 through 5. He says, My son, if you accept my words, there's a condition here, isn't it, for wisdom. If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. Furthermore, here's another one. If you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. What's the difference, by the way, between wisdom and knowledge? He's used both words here. And let me simply, I would say knowledge, you know, knowledge can simply be storing facts in our brains. Knowledge is the, the guy up on Jeopardy who just kind of boom, boom, boom. He knows all the answers. He's a smart guy. He has lots of knowledge or she has lots of knowledge, but not necessarily any wisdom. Not saying that they don't, but they don't have to have wisdom. We all know people who are really smart 
when it comes to book smarts. When it comes to applying knowledge to life, however, and coming out with common sense, they we might say, you know what, he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. So wisdom is when we take knowledge and we we use it to live a better and often longer life. So I want this morning to look at three sources that God gives us for wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? Number one, I gain wisdom when I listen to the wise. When I listen to the wise. When I was a young youth pastor and I was serving, I was 23 years old, serving in a big church, had more kids in my senior high department than we have right here this morning, just in high school. Plus, I was in charge of junior high and our college. It was a big church. I was 23. I was as my pastor used to, and I had a pastor. He was up in his late 50s, and he had been there for almost 30 years. And he had a couple staff members in the church, myself and another guy who was maybe a year older than me, young married guys. And he would often talk, talk to us about being wet behind the ears. I don't know what that really means, but my guess was, you're dumb. You you haven't figured some things out yet. He would, in his Kansas uh, farm boy vernacular, he would often call us greenhorns. Sit in staff meeting and say, you're greenhorns. Um, he, he, would, he would talk to us as though, you know, it wasn't that we weren't smart. I had a degree in youth ministries. I had that diploma hanging on the wall in my office. But when, I'll tell you the truth, when I was young, that young like that, and when those who were wiser and older than me, like my, my pastor, to try to steer me in the right direction, I'll tell you, I didn't listen. I didn't listen because in my mind, I got it all figured out, bud. I don't want to hear it. And I now know that was foolish and prideful. I remember in my first church, I, I contacted all the parents in my youth group. And, uh, and I said, hey, I want you to come on whatever night it was, Tuesday night, Thursday night, something like that for the next several weeks, and I'm going to teach you parenting skills. I was 22. You know, I've been married less than a year. I'm going to teach you all how to be good parents. I guess because they didn't want to offend me, they came, but I knew what they were thinking. Right. Right. You might have some book sense, Rick, but you don't have any wisdom. You see, when you're 22, 23, you might think you're the next big thing. But without wisdom, you're going to step into things that could have been avoided. And I could spend the rest of our time here this morning telling you my own personal stories and experiences of when I did not seek wisdom, when I did not listen to the advice of people in my life that God placed me under and placed there around me to help me out. And honestly, it's still something I have to work on. My pastor in that second church, that large church, as I said, he had been leading that church for nearly 30 years. And he had a lot of wisdom. I came to find him. Right now I look back at him and he's gone to heaven. I think that he was one really smart guy. He had a lot of things in life figured out. But I didn't like it when he called us greenhorns. But it was true. Sometimes we, we listen, sometimes, honestly, because we ask, don't we? We go to people and ask for their advice and their counsel and their input. Uh, and that's a sign of someone who is seeking wisdom. Of course, it really, really matters. Who do we go to and seek this advice from? 
Are we going to find it from somebody who's just going to agree with us on what we think we should do? Or are we going to find somebody with some real wisdom who's going to say, um, you might want to consider this or that instead? Somebody's not afraid sometimes to pop our bubble. We pick up wisdom just by spending time with and hanging around the wise. We listen indirectly. We're not really going to them and asking, but we listen to conversations. We watch how, how those who we, we regard as being wise, we watch how they respond to life situations and we learn from them that way. We just listen to what they're saying. It's when we don't listen that we lose the chance to gain wisdom. So here I am from that time when I was sitting under that wise older pastor and I was a greenhorn. Finally, 40 years later, I find myself applying some things I unintentionally have picked up over the years from my elders, my pastors, those that God has placed in my life. And that tells me this in your notes. Wisdom isn't bound by time or generations. Not bound by time or generations. I'm still learning wisdom. Look with me at chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and don't reject your mother's teaching. Why? For they will be a garland of grace on your head and a gold chain around your neck. Two things that he uses here to describe wisdom. He calls wisdom, getting wisdom from our parents, especially. He says it's grace and gold. Uh, there, those are great ways to explain the benefits of wisdom. Grace is, how is it reflected in my life? Grace is reflected when I've gained grace by listening to those who have grace, those who have wisdom. When I gain grace, it reflects itself in my attitude toward others, doesn't it? Grace controls anger. Grace controls frustration. Grace controls sarcasm. Things that don't help in our relationships. Grace allows me to forgive and to extend sympathy. Some of you today, your biggest need today on Mother's Day is the grace to do some forgiving. Some of you. Gold, on the other hand, speaks of success. It might be wealth, I mean, you know, what you have in your bank account, but it also can be the wealth of overcoming adversity in my life and winning the favor of others. Gold could be your reputation. Lots of the Proverbs, as we're seeing, are written from father to son. And it's interesting, they're not, by the way, any that I can find from son to father. There's none of those. It's not because sons can't have wisdom. They can. And sons can even share some of that with their dads. But sometimes, and sometimes a son is the godly person in the relationship, the one who's walking with the Lord, and dad is not. But by and large, the wise in the world are the ones with age. But age doesn't, and we have a lot of folks in here with some age. I'm not going to point you out. Some of us are unashamed of it because our hair is our natural color, Jamie. Is it not? You know, you know what I tell people when I say, God has frosted my hair. I didn't pay anything. Well, I paid I paid a lot for this, to be real honest. Yeah, but age doesn't necessarily mean wisdom, because we all have heard the expression, there's no fool like an old fool. Yeah. Maturity and wisdom are partners. They should be. Maturity and wisdom are partners. Chapter 1, look with me at verse 20. 
our source for wisdom. Wisdom calls out in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. She cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. When you're coming in, there's wisdom calling out to you. When you're coming in to do business, how long, foolish ones, will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking and you fools hate knowledge? If you respond to my warning, then I will pour out my spirit on you and teach you my words. Since I called out and you refused. Talking to the foolish person here. Since I called out to you, wisdom says, and you refused. uh, I extended my hand and no one paid attention. Since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my correction, I in turn will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, and when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when trouble and stress overcome you. Then they, the the foolish ones who never listened, then they will call, but I won't answer. They will search for me, but won't find me, because they hated knowledge and didn't choose to fear the Lord. We're We're not interested in my counsel and rejected all my correction. As a result, they'll eat the fruit of their way and be glutted with their own schemes. For the turning away of the inexperienced will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But wisdom says whoever listens to me will live securely and be free from the fear of danger. Now, it's not like, here's what wisdom is saying here in chapter 2. It's not like wisdom isn't readily available. It says, I'm calling out in the streets. I'm there. I'm raising my voice above all the commotion so you can hear me, wisdom says. That means if you listen, here's what it's saying. If you listen, you can hear wisdom. Jesus often said after teaching a parable, remember what he would often do a parable and then he would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But it also says in this passage, chapter 1 here, it says if we refuse godly wisdom, what can we expect? Calamity, whirlwind, destruction, if we neglect wisdom. If we refuse to listen, eventually, get this now, here's, here's what I gather from this. If we refuse and refuse and refuse, especially when we're young, to hear wisdom, eventually wisdom's going to stop talking to us. Wisdom's going to say, I've said enough. Wisdom, in your notes, brings security, however, and sets us free from fear. Right? So I can gain wisdom by, by listening. I can gain wisdom, secondly, when I ask God for it. I'm going to turn back to the book of James, the New Testament book of wisdom, verses 5 and 6 of chapter 1. It's up on the screen there for you. Follow along with me while I read. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, okay, here's, here's an open Oh, open, uh, open deal here. If any of you lacks wisdom, and and probably all of us would say, I-, I could use a little more wisdom from time to time in my life. Could you not? If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it wisdom will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, without doubting. 
For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That's a pretty confident statement that James, the brother of Jesus, makes here, doesn't he? If you lack wisdom, what do you do? Ask God for it. God, I need some wisdom today. Ask God and he gives it, James says. But then in verse 6, he also gives a condition for asking for wisdom. And that condition was what? Faith. you got to ask in faith. You have to believe that God will provide it. But And he says, if you doubt God and the wisdom he gives, which often may be at the very moment you need it, your doubts will only lead to instability in your life. If you look at verse 7, that person who doesn't ask in faith, that person who doubts what God says and what God gives them, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. It's fair to say that someone who is unstable, someone who has no focus, someone who can't keep a job, someone is up and down on a roller coaster ride in life, it's, it's safe to say, I would venture to say, that that person lacks wisdom. Praying for wisdom, by the way, is a a great idea throughout your life. We're always making decisions, are we not? Always making. I didn't ask for wisdom this morning as to how I was going to dress. Some of you said, oh, you look so nice today. I dress this way every Mother's Day to honor my mom. And um, she would be very pleased to see me in a coat and tie. So I honor mom by doing that. But but so many decisions that we make require wisdom in our lives. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe God, I've been presented with the opportunity to go and work here or work there. Maybe it's a need to move or maybe the need to sell a piece of real estate or, or whatever it might be. God, we need wisdom as we do this. I find myself now when I might have thought at this stage of life, I'm 62, I find myself now when I when I thought you know you know life when you hit your 60s life ought to be kind of pretty much you put it on cruise control Dicky you know kind of let it go Dicky and I are the same age I I would have thought it's like cruise control you know th- through life now faced with you know nothing major just kind of live off of what's happened and and what you've done in life but I find now at this stage in life that I'm faced with important decisions many about my future. And I know at this stage in my life, and you're getting there if you're not there already, I know that the the light at the end of the tunnel is getting closer and closer, isn't it? Closer than it's ever been. So my daily prayer, yours ought to be daily, God, today, would you grant me the wisdom I need for this day? Would you do that today? The gift from God is like others, and James says it's a gift that God gives us wisdom. It's like others. It's like the spiritual gifts and talents he gives us in the church for ministry. It's not to be neglected. It's not to be ignored. It's a kind of a use it or lose it kind of a thing. How must God feel if we ask him for wisdom in a particular manner, and then God gives us the wisdom, but we say, you know what? I like this other idea better, God. I've been listening to this person or that person. Or I know what I want. You know, oftentimes we pray and ask God for things, but we've already made up our minds what we're going to do. So really it's not his will we're seeking, it's our own. How must he feel when we go ahead and do the opposite thing of what he said? Solomon, who again, who wrote a good portion of that book of Proverbs, was known throughout the world as being a wise king. In 1 Kings chapter 3, he had a dream. 
this young King Solomon. He had his dream, and in the dream, God said to him, Solomon, ask me what I should give you. You're now the king of my people. What would you like most of all? How many of us would say something like, you know that that mega lottery thing that's going on right now? I drive by and see that billboard and how many millions and millions. It would be really cool, God, if I could go and, and get to have the winning lottery ticket. That would solve all of my problems. Ask the people who have won the lottery how many problems it solved for them compared to how many it created. How many of us would say something like that? I want wealth, but Solomon didn't ask for that. He asked for wisdom. Second, First Kings chapter 3. He said, I'm just a youth, Lord. Talking to God. I'm just a youth with no experience in leadership. And now he's king. So give your servant, give me an obedient heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil. Now, please the Lord that Solomon had requested this. So Solomon in this dream, or God in this dream responds back to Solomon. God says, because you've requested this and did not ask for a long life or riches for yourself, did not ask for the death of all your enemies, but you've asked discernment for yourself to understand justice, I therefore do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before, never will again. In addition, that's what you asked for, I'm going to give you that. But I'm going to give you more because of what you asked for. In addition, I'll give you what you did not ask for, both riches and honor, so that no man in any kingdom will be your equal during your entire life. If you walk in my ways, here's a condition. If you walk in my ways, and keep my statutes, my rules, my commandments, just as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Now, I would say that Solomon, as a young man asking for wisdom, I would say that later on in life, Solomon would look back at that dream and what was in his heart and say, that was the best thing I ever did. Don't you think? Unrelated to to the message this morning, Gail and I were driving yesterday from up in Currituck County, and... Uh, and we were driving, and, and she popped the, this question to me. She says, she said, Rick, what, what are the, the ten best decisions you ever made in your life? And not ten. I mean, she just asked me for five. And so, you know, I, we were sitting there, and we stopped, and we got some, some dinner, and I'm, I began to recount some decisions in my life, the best decisions you ever made in your life. I could also say, here are the worst decisions I ever made in my life. So how do I gain wisdom? The third way is I gain wisdom through life's experiences. I gain wisdom through life's experiences. We've all heard, and many of us have been through, because we've got the bumps to prove it, the school of hard knocks, have we not? We all understand what that's about. Not everything we do in life, especially if we haven't been wise, not everything we do in life ends up well, because of wisdom. There, there was no wisdom there sometimes. And we go through life with his experiences. And we're wise if we learn from them. We learn not to make the mistakes, same mistakes twice, if we're wise. But when we keep repeating, listen to me, when we keep repeating the same bad patterns, same bad decisions over and over you know what we get? 
the same results. The same results happen from those things. And we, and I've heard people say, I don't know what's wrong with me. And then you, you keep doing the same thing. You keep making the same decisions. You're not seeking wisdom. Well, the truth is everybody makes mistakes, but sometimes those mistakes have minor consequences. Sometimes they don't impact. Maybe a lot of people, they don't have a huge, enormous impact in people's lives, but other times we can make just one simple little mistake. And it has major consequences in the rest of our life, does it not? Those who gain wisdom through life are those who learn from their experiences the right way the best way, or they learn from the wrong way. We learn from our wrong ways to do things. Uh, I'm not necessarily a huge Dr. Phil fan, but when he listens to someone tell them about how horrible their life is, and he asks them, well, how did all this come about? What are you doing? What have you done? And they say, well, I did this or I did that. I love the great question you know, when they say, I continue to do these things, I love that great question he has. You know what it is. And well, how's that working for you? You keep doing it over and over again. How's that working for you? Knowing that it isn't working. What we have to learn to do is to allow our mistakes to initiate change in our thinking. Allow our mistakes to initiate change in our thinking so here's some questions maybe you might ask after a bad experience. All right, you young people, get these down. After a bad experience, first question, how much of this was my fault? Now, if someone always points the blame on other people, they don't get it, do they? I told somebody the other day, there's always, and I heard this the other day from somebody else, there's always two sides to every coin. How much of this is my fault? That's a hard one to answer. Because we always, because of our old nature, because our selfish nature, we always want to lie in answer to that question. Always. That's the first thing. Well, you know, And, and I, I have wise people in my life will say, wait a second, before you say what I think you're going to say, you know, how much of this was your fault? How much of it was my fault? And we lie about it. And, but the, the truth of the matter is this. The only person I can correct is me. Only person I can fix is me. I can't fix anybody else. I've tried. Now, second question. Am I willing to accept that I made some poor choices? Okay, am I willing to? Okay, I made a, I did this and I shouldn't have done it. You know that couple whose marriage ends quickly and someone says, you know, whispers, everybody told her not to marry that guy. You ever heard those things, kind of things happen? Everybody, every her friends, her parents, his parents. I mean, they know him. What are you thinking, girl? And the marriage doesn't last and and, you know, accept that you made some poor choices. Third question, what are the influences in my life that need changing? 
We'll talk about this. You may hear this expression again in this series, but there's an expression that says, if you lie down with dogs, you get up with fleas. What are the influences? Who are the influences in my life that I need to change? It may be the job. It may be the person or the persons that we're getting our advice and standards from. It may require, and I'm not speaking of marriage here, but it may require the breaking off of a relationship that is toxic. There's one piece of wisdom that I've learned. And I learned this in a very sad situation as I responded as a chaplain in the fire department to a home where a young woman, 20 years old or so, was lying on the floor having CPR performed on her. And I got to the house and my job became to take care of her one and a half year old toddler. She overdosed. And her dad was not in the house when it happened. And she lived with her mom and dad, but he showed up fairly soon. And he said to me, we moved down here from Pennsylvania to get away from all those people that were influencing her life. That's why we came down here, because we thought, we'll get away from that crowd. The truth of the matter is that crowd is everywhere. The issue is not getting away from that crowd. There's got to be a life change that starts with a mind change. That's what has to happen. And that's what the Apostle Paul was speaking of when he said, God, in Romans chapter 12, God wants to renew our minds. We can't change the crowd, that crowd, but we can change the crowd that we hang with. And that starts with a renewing of our mind and a want to be with different people. Changing locations doesn't work if there's no change of heart. Next question. Am I denying reality? Am I denying reality? The problem is that we often create our own reality. And the problem is we've created that reality. It's a perception in our own minds. And too often that contradicts with what others are telling us. Have Have you known... Have you known women who've gone from one abusive relationship and they get out of it and they go right into another? Have you seen that happen before? Sure. Or, or, and they say, well, he's not that bad. He'll change. I'll change him. You wives, you know, chuckle there. It doesn't work. When people tell me, I know what you're saying is right. But, can I say that again? Rick, I know what you're telling me is right, but when they use the word but, what are they saying to me? I don't believe you. They're saying to me, I don't want to accept it. They're saying to me, I am denying reality. We need to learn from our life experiences and allow them to give us wisdom. And then the last question I have for you. Have I sought wisdom from God and from those I know who have it? Have I tried to get it? Have I sought it out? Have I gone to those that I know have wisdom? How do I know they have wisdom? Because I look at their lives and I see the outcome of their lives and I listen to their words. I look at the people that they influence. I look at the people who influence them and there's lots and lots of wisdom there. Have I gone to those people, sought them out for wisdom? Not from those who, again, who are going to simply tell me what I want to hear. 
from those who will give me, those who will say the hard things to me, those who are willing to puncture my balloon. You see, we need wisdom every day, don't we? Every single day. We, it may not be in a major decision in our lives, but we need wisdom every day. And it's not something that we can't freely get from the wise, the godly people. It's not something that we can't get freely from God. It's not something that we can't learn from our experiences. We just have to do it. So really, there's no reason not to have it. Let me give you a project over the next month, if I can do that. And I hope you'll do that, but what I'm going to suggest to you. It's not really hard. It just takes a few minutes every day. But for the next month, would you begin, you can start today, and I don't know what you do in your quiet time and so forth, but would you say for the next month, I'm going to read a chapter of the Proverbs every single day. There are 31 chapters, so that covers a month. Every day, I will read a chapter in the book of Proverbs and kind of let some of that stuff sink in just a little. I've done this several times, and every time I do it, I go, Man, this is good stuff. Thank you, God, for teaching me something today. Read a chapter of the book of Proverbs every day. Will you do that? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, with, with, with all the voices that speak into our lives these days, and there's so many more today than there were when I was a young man 40 years ago. So many voices speaking into our lives, sometimes it makes it difficult to know who's speaking wisdom and who isn't. But thank you, Father, that if we're Christians, you've placed us into a local family, a local body of believers, the church, and within the church are those people who have gained some wisdom from you and from their experiences and from others that they look up to and they're willing to share if we'll just listen. Wisdom cries out from the streets. It's there and you've made it free to us. May we seek the treasure of wisdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God love others, reach the world.